continue on. And we've gotten through one chapter. We've only got 27 more to go. Acts chapter number 2 tonight, and we're going to look at verse number 1 through verse number 13. We'll get some thoughts from this passage, and then we'll continue on as the Lord leads. Acts chapter number 1, when you find that with me, we're going to look down at verse number 1 together. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were seated. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven, and when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled and saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galilean? Now if you remember on Sunday morning, was it last week or a couple weeks last week? Remember Peter's speech gave him away because he was a Galilean? And so... They're like, wow, these guys are these ignorant, unlearned hicks, and they're doing this stuff. What's going on? And so we said, and it says, And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? We'll look at some things about tongues tonight in just a little bit and see what the Bible has to say here. And it says, Parthenian and Medes and Emlites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and in Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia Perga and Pamphylia, in Egypt and in parts of Libya and Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking, saying, These men are full of new wine. Some believed, some rejected it. But as we look tonight, we're going to look at the Spirit came, the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. We love you, we need you, and I need your help tonight. We look at this passage of Scripture. There's a lot here, I know that. And as we dive into it, I pray that you would guide us and help us tonight get from this passage what you have for us. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we look here, Son, on Wednesday night, we talked about, the past two Wednesday nights, we've talked about the Holy Spirit. And the importance of, we talked about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit two weeks ago, and this last Wednesday night, we talked about being filled with the Spirit of God. We see tonight the Holy Spirit come upon the disciples. Now, as I mentioned, this is the first time, this is where it sets up. Remember, they're supposed to go to Jerusalem, according to chapter 1, and they were to wait in Jerusalem for the Spirit to come. One of the things that I should have said last time, we, it's been two weeks since we were here on a, on a Sunday night, but remember they kind of cast lots and they picked Matthias to be the next disciple or the next apostle. And I said, what, was it right? Was it not? And Gary reminded me of something and I was going to say it, but I didn't say it. And I'm glad, I'm glad when people will remind me of this stuff and come up and say, what do you think about this? Or add that. It's good when we add some things because 
at my best, I'm going to not remember everything, not say everything. But one of the things he said is, well, shouldn't they have just waited for the Spirit? Did they? No, they didn't just wait for the Spirit. The Spirit comes now. But as we look here tonight and we see the power of the Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's going to do, I want you to see these things. We see that they were, we look at verse number, chapter 2, verse number 1, they were, with, they were in one accord in one place. You want to see God bless a group of people, you need to be in one accord in one place. That's how God designed it to be. That's why as a church member or being a part of a church, let me just encourage you, and you are the faithful ones here. I'm preaching to the choir tonight when I make this statement. But we should be in one place in one accord. When it's time for church, the church should gather as the church. There's no, there should be no argument there. We should be in one accord with our mission to exalt Jesus Christ, to edify the saints, and to evangelize the lost. We should be in one accord in one place. God does great works with people who are in one accord in one place. Sometimes you get people in one place, but there's not one accord. There's 50 different accords. We got our own agendas, our own ideas, but you got to understand something. The work of God is bigger than you or me. And if we want to see God work, we need to be in one accord in one place. We see what happens in this passage. The day of Pentecost is coming. Pentecost means 50. It's about 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. So if we're thinking really on this, it was about 40 days that he ministered with them, right? So there was about a 10-day gap between when Jesus left and the Spirit came. They were told to wait for the Spirit. We saw a couple weeks ago what they did in that time. They prayed. They did lots of things. And they're there waiting for the Spirit. Did they do it all completely right? Probably not. Do we do everything right? Nope, I messed up several times today. And you probably did too, right? Yeah, we all did. Say, no, Pastor, I was perfect today. Yeah, right. None of us are perfect. If you are, if you've been perfect today, I will go sit down. You can start preaching this, this evening if you want. Because I could learn from you. I would have loved to have been perfect today. I try, and then I get out of bed, and then I've already failed somehow. Something happens that quick. And uh, sometimes I think it's going to be a great day. I'm not going to mess up. And then I get up out of bed and realize that I already gave up on that one. As we look here, we see the fact they're supposed to wait in Jerusalem, wait there for the Holy Spirit to come so that they could take the gospel to the world. That was God's design. That was Jesus' plan for the church. The church was to evangelize the lost, to be witnesses. You know, church, if we're going to do what God's called us to do, we better be witnesses. We talked about this the past couple times we've been together on Sunday nights. We're supposed to be witnesses. Share what he's done with us, with others. You know what the world needs tonight? Witnesses. The work hasn't changed. God's plan for us has not changed. And so as we look here and we look at these things, I left you a few verses there at the beginning. You can look through there. But it's just interesting how Jesus, his death, his burial, goes so much in line with Leviticus, and it goes through, you know, the Passover. We look at these things after at Pentecost and how all these different things work. But, and I just put that there in your notes so you could look over those things when you have time. But as we look at this and we see what happens, 
we, I want you to skip ahead with me down to verse 41 of chapter number 2. Lord willing, we might be in these verses next week, but they go from being in an upper room waiting to verse 41 where it says, And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000. They go from waiting for the Spirit of God, they're waiting for Him, to all of a sudden, 3,000 get saved and baptized on the same day. That's an amazing thing when you stop to... Have you ever thought about that? Thought long and hard on that? 3,000 got saved and baptized and added to the church. How many of them were there in chapter 1? We talked about it. Anybody remember? How many were there? About 120? Somewhere in there? Ballpark? So, 120. Imagine that. So this morning, I'll just give you, give you some thoughts on that. So this morning, in our first service this morning, we had 57 in this room. In our second service in here, we had 83. It's like 130. In here, not including the kids and all that. You take, and that was low today. But let's just say 120, 130. All the adults and teens from our two services today. And then we have a day where 3,000 come and get saved and baptized on the same day. You talk about a workout. I don't know how my arms would be after all that. I don't know if you just from the shore, you just push them in and they fall forward and then they're in. I don't know. But you really stop to think, how in the world could 120 people do that? It had to be God. It was the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to look at tonight as we go a little bit deeper and we look at these things. We see the fact that they were together. You go back to chapter number 1 in verse number 14. The Bible tells us there, And these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. In chapter 2 and verse 44, And they all that believed were together and had all things common. Chapter 2 verse 46, And they continued daily with one accord in the temple. Do you see how God works when we're in one accord in the place doing what God's called us to do. As we think on that, and as we go a little deeper tonight, I want you to see, number one, the signs of the Spirit. The signs of the Spirit. Now, let me just help you tonight. You don't need signs from the Spirit, okay? You don't. You don't. The Jews required—didn't they require a sign? Isn't that what the Bible tells us? They required a sign. So the Lord was doing this for them. They need to understand and see that, and this is something new. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, how did it work? The Holy Spirit would come and go. We could use Samson as an example. One minute, Samson has the Spirit of God upon him, and then we see Samson mess things up in his life, and the Spirit of God departed from him, and he didn't even realize God's Spirit departed. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would come and go. It would not just stay in one spot. David didn't want to lose that. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That's in Psalm 51. David said that. And so as we get into the New Testament here, Jesus has died, paid the price. Now we can be saved completely, and the Spirit can move in. You see, the Spirit just couldn't live somewhere where there's sin. That's why Jesus had to pay the— you say, well, I still sin. But when God looks at you, he sees your Christ's righteousness. And you're a new creature because of what Christ did. When Christ died, it changed everything. 
So now the Spirit of God's coming on the scene. Now things are different. And so there are some signs that are given, not that you need today to follow the Holy Spirit, but just some signs that were given. The first sign, letter A, that we see, the first sign is audible, and it represented the power of the Holy Spirit. We look at verse number 2. And there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, do you notice something? They were sitting. Were they expecting this to happen? If you're expecting something, if you're expecting a package at the door, are you going to get it? Yeah, and a lot of us now we have the ring doorbells and things. The other day, we already got our school curriculum that came. The other day, the ring doorbell in the church went off, and they were supposed to come on Friday. And it was, was it Wednesday or Thursday? It was Thursday. And I answered the little ring thing. I'm nowhere around here. And I said, hello? I have a bunch of boxes for you. I'm like, that's not supposed to be till tomorrow. Well, I'm here today. I'm like, I need them downstairs. You're not here to open it. And so we had the little conversation back and forth. I don't even know how far he got him down the stairs. But did he do pretty good? But I didn't. They were supposed to come the next day. We'd already talked, and we were going to be ready for it, we had hoped. They were sitting. They were not expecting this. Do you see, and as you look at this, just think for a minute. They're sitting in one place, in one accord, and as this happened, the word suddenly, it means abruptly. Out of nowhere, look at what happens in this house. There came a sound from heaven as, as a mighty rushing wind, a violent roar of wind. And you know, some, every once in a while, we don't get it a lot out here, but every once in a while, those winds pick up. And there was a while back, we're at our house, our new house, and you just heard, for some reason, the windows in our bedroom, don't they move for some reason. I don't even know what's up with it. It's on the second floor, so I'm not worried about someone coming in. I don't even know what it does. But um, when the wind's really blowing, you can just hear that. I've also been, I remember the day before my wedding, might have been a sign from God. I don't know. You hear the tornado sirens going off in Minnesota. The sky looks green, and I'm fearing for my life, thinking, what is this? And you know, typical Minnesotans, they're just going about their day. Oh, we'll go down to the basement for a few minutes. They're playing pool and doing whatever else down there. I'm like against the wall, like, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to die. I'm too young to die. I'm supposed to get married tomorrow. I just picture them being in that room and that that noise suddenly out of nowhere swooshes in they're sitting down but do you know as it says do you see the bible says here there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting the word wind you gotta understand it is used in the scriptures for the spirit at times there's some examples of that genesis 1 verse number 2 it says and the earth was without form and void And the darkness was upon the face of the deep. And what did the Spirit of God do? He moved upon the waters. That's a picture of wind there, is what that is. The Bible also tells us in John 3, verse number 8, The wind bloweth wherever it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. That wind was blowing... And sometimes, you, you know, those Santa Ana winds, they pick up, and you just, they're powerful. They knock trees over. Glad they didn't knock that tree over into your yard there. I'm glad we got that taken care of, but it can knock trees over. 
Wind's powerful. The mighty rushing wind, it was a sign of the power of God's Spirit. Letter B. Let's continue on. We see the second one is bright, and it represents His presence. Verse 3 says, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Do you notice that these flames separated and rested on each one of them? Talk about a sight. You know, we talk about in the Bible, and I've said it before, I want to, I want, I'm hoping in heaven that there's an IMAX theater to be able to see all the different things that take place. These cloven tongues of fire on each one, I really want to see this one. This is one of those, I think it'd be, a, it'd be great to see. It's like the burning bush not burning. Yes, I want to see that one. I want to see God create the world out of nothing. I want to see that. I hope that we get to get our holy popcorn and our soda, sit there in our recliner, be good to go. Dr. Pepper, you know it's going to be in heaven, right, John? Don't you agree? Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be in heaven. That's probably what the, the river of life is all about, Dr. Pepper. No, probably not. I'm just teasing when I say that. But you see it fell on each of them. Think about this. Fire's bright, right? Who knows how they were in this room, everything else. All of a sudden, you imagine you're sitting in a room waiting on God to do something. How many times have you prayed to God, asking Him to work in your life? And I know there are seasons in my life where I pray and pray and pray. And how would it be? The first thing that happens is there's a rushing wind, the sound of a rushing wind in the room, and then you got this flame of fire right in front of you. That's what. But you see, the wind represented the power the Spirit was going to bring. The light represented his presence being with them. Do you remember in the Old Testament when the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, and when they left Egypt, what they had to lead them at night? Fire. It represented the presence of God with his people. Exodus 3, 2 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire. This is about Moses there. Out of the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And then when God's leading the people out in Exodus 13, 21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud, and to lead them in the way, and by night a pillar of fire, to give them light to go day and night. You also could find in the book of Ezekiel, and Ezekiel, you talk about a crazy book. It's a crazy book, what takes place in the life that Ezekiel lived. And it's one of those things. But look at this, Ezekiel 1, 4. It says, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, and a great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself. And a brightness was about it. Now the midst thereof as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. And you see, what you see is you see God's power and his presence on display. What we see that day there as we're leading up to Pentecost and we're leading up to Peter's sermon that we'll get into next week, Lord willing, we see the signs that were given. Hey guys, my, my spirit, there's power in my spirit. The sound of a rushing mighty wind. Hey, my spirit, he's never going to leave you. I know, you, I know you've read the Old Testament. I know you've seen what the law says. I know you know that my spirit would come and go as it pleased, but my presence is going to be with you. And it's never, that's why the Bible tells us, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Once you're saved, the spirit of God comes to live inside of you and he's always with you and you can never lose him. That's why you need to be content with such things as you have because you have him forever. 
And we see tonight these signs that were given. Yes, you got the sign there that represented his power. You got the sign that represented, as we look there at letter B, it represented his presence with the people. But then there's even more that takes place. The Bible tells us the, sir, the third sign is verbal. I involve proclaiming. Now this is, this one, let's look here. This is pretty interesting. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Last Sunday morning, I got here early. And Ryan didn't know I got here already. And so he was out, and sorry, Ryan, but it, it just so fit the sermon so perfectly tonight, so I got to share. And I know what it is. When you know other languages, you just have to stay fresh on them. That's all you were doing. You're just staying fresh on those things. So when I got here, I got here probably like at 7 last Sunday morning. He was going out to take the chain down at that time. He didn't see me pull up. And normally the, the ring probably didn't go off for you that I pulled up. Well, I'm in my office, and I hear a different language here in the auditorium. Like, I don't even know what's being said right now. I hear it, but I don't know. I don't know if, if someone's swearing in there. I don't know if someone's mad. I don't know what's going on. And then I think there's even another language, right? How many different languages did you speak last Sunday morning in here? Two or three. Do you remember what you were talking about? You are talking to yourself kind of, weren't you? He was translating commercials in his mind. And so... The good lesson for all of us, Ryan not only talks to himself, but he answers himself too in different languages. So it makes it okay. If you can speak more than one language, you can answer yourself in a different language and not be looked at real weird or anything like that. But I'm listening, and I have no clue what he's saying. No, that's not what tongues was. And I remember he walked, he walked past my, I was in that church office doing something, and he walked by, and there were some books there for the graduates. And you read a line off of there. I don't know what it was. And what, what language were you speaking then? Yeah, whatever that is. He was doing that. And so um, as he was doing that, I'm like, and then he walked in the office, and you should have seen his face. Like, I didn't know anyone was here. I never would have been doing this if I knew someone was here. And I'm like, I wish I would have known that you were, it was you doing this, and I would have had my camera out videoing you from behind, and you would have never known. It would have been such a great thing to show his students next year at school. But anyways, I didn't get to do it. So this morning I came around to see, he, well, he didn't do any of it this morning, so I don't know if he's going to do that again. But when he walked by the office and he repeated whatever that book said, I'm like, and he walked in, I'm like, what did you just say? And he told me what he just said. So it made a little bit more sense to me. Maybe. Maybe he just said that's what he said, but he's saying something else. He might have been cursing me out in a different language, and we'll never know the truth about that one. And if it's in another language, you can get away with it, because I'm not going to know. So I, I had, every once in a while, Bridget will get going off in her Spanish. I'm like, stop that. You can only speak English to me, because I don't know what you're saying to me. She's giving me a hard time in Spanish, and I don't even know what she's saying to me. Or your Puerto Rican Spanish, that's even, that's even... Galilean right there just a little bit and we'll leave that one there and not go any deeper with that. But as we look at this and we see, you gotta understand, this was not some special prayer language. This was not some ecstatic utterance. I remember a while back I was listening, I turned on uh, it was right when COVID first hit because everyone, there were so many different TV churches and all these other things and I turned on this one and I'm listening. He was preaching good. He was going to town. And then all of a sudden he's like, hold on! 
it was something like that. I'm like, excuse me? I don't know if he was belching for me eating too much Taco Bell earlier in the day or if he was being slain. I don't know what was going on. And then a few minutes later, he's like, hold on. There's nothing biblical about that at all. Nothing. If we look here and we look at what the Bible says, let's look in what it says. It says, And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem devout, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. And were confounded. They were confused. Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They understood what was being said in their own language. Tongues does not mean an unutterable noise. It is understood. It is a language. That's what the Bible says. That's what it says right here. So think about this. You had, how many different groups of people are there mentioned here? So you've got, let's just look, part one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fifteen maybe, sixteen, somewhere in there, seventeen. You have different languages. And as they spoke, Everyone understood in their own language what was being said. It's like today they have those translator things where I could be speaking in English and you could have it in your ear. Let's say you speak Spanish. You could have this translator thing out and you could understand what I'm saying in English. That is the 21st century's version of what the Holy Spirit did that day. Except there was no technology like that in that day. Literally, they understood what was being said. That is Bible tongues. What was the purpose of it? So that people could hear the gospel. That was the purpose. Not so that you could say, I've got the gift. Hold on a minute. Ah! Did you understand what I said? No, you didn't. Under I don't even know what I just said. And anyone who does that, they, they're just, it doesn't go anything with the Bible. Maybe they have had new wine. Maybe that's their problem. I don't know. That's not what the Bible teaches about tongues. And we have a lot of people that get this wrong. You say, what was the purpose of tongues here? It was so the gospel could be given to all the people that were gathered in this place. It was a sign that the Spirit of God had come. They were able to do something they were never able to do before. The Spirit's goal here was, these were signs that the Spirit was coming to stay. He was given, the first sign was power. So they would know the Spirit's going to come and He has power. And you're going to be witnesses with the power of the Spirit. And hey, you got the presence. I'm going to be with you, Lord. I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. The sign was there that God's presence would always be with His people. And the third sign was verbal that, his, that what the Holy Spirit's going to help us do is get the gospel out to the lost. That was the purpose. You weren't given the gift of tongues so that you could be special and popular or have some gift that someone else doesn't have. 
all of us have been given the Holy Spirit of God, and the whole purpose behind it is so that we can witness more for Him. That's what it's there for. Most people miss that. Tongues. And no, I'm not going to make that noise anymore tonight. I'm done with that. Ryan's enjoying that a little bit too much as I make my tongue noises. It's kind of what you sounded like last week, though. No, but you were a more matter of fact. I, I, there was some German. You were speaking some German. I know you were. Yeah, I heard it. Wiener schnitzel, that's about as far as I go. That's about as far as I go on that one. These people see this thing. And look at verse number 8, or verse number 7. They were all amazed and marveling, saying one to another, Behold, are not these which speak Galilean? And how, look again, you see it here. And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? How hard is it to figure this one out? It's not that hard. And just because some some Bap- there were some Baptists too there in the Midwest and you got the Azusa Street revivals good old Azusa Street of revivals out here and people got a little carried away and all of a sudden you got this big thing that started you go back before 1900 you didn't hear people speaking in tongues you didn't and I know then there are people that come at me and they're like well if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 they were still speaking in tongues and my argument for you is, did you know that when 1 Corinthians 14 was written, Revelation wasn't finished yet? And when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. So when the Bible was complete and the final amen was put in place, you didn't need the sign anymore. But who am I? What do I know? Anyways, we look at all those things. So much more I could say about these things as we go through here. I want you to look, and I'm going to round things off tonight. Say, well, okay, so we, there were three signs given. There was a sign of the rushing mighty wind, the power of the Spirit. There was a sign given of those cloven tongues of fire and represented the presence of the Spirit. There was the gift of tongues that talks about the proclaiming and the witnessing that the Spirit helps us be able to do. Well, what does this mean for us? What can we take from this? That's what number two is tonight. Can we put number two up on the screen? Number two, Joe. Two? Is there no number two? My uh, secretary took the week off this last week, so I did the screens yesterday. I'm sure I put number two. It says, what does this mean for us? That's all. Okay, so number two. We're going to go old school here. What does this mean for us? Number two. I wanted to just mess up a little bit on the screens because I wanted my secretary to fill okay it's okay when they mess up because I even mess up when I fill in. I just lied. I shouldn't have done that. See, I messed up already just in a little bit of time right there. And uh, no, I was getting ready for a baseball game that someone d- planned on a, sar- a late Saturday night. And then I'm going on vacation with my wife tonight, and I'm going to be driving late into the night. And I didn't get home till midnight last night from a baseball game that you planned the night before that. Number three, Russ. No. I was just answering his question right there. You said it, not me. So what does this mean for us? Do you have another letter A? Yes. The Holy Spirit's been given to all believers. 
In the Old Testament, God's Spirit would stay on a select few. In the New Testament, God's Spirit comes upon all of us. Praise God for that. Praise God, the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. God's, as we think about these things, what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, it tells us there, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. You see that right there? What a great verse. Hey, the Spirit of God, he came. He, he came upon them. And ever since that day, anyone who's trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, the Spirit of God comes upon them at the moment of salvation. There's no special baptism of the Spirit. We talked about those things over the past several weeks. You're baptized into one body at the moment of salvation. Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you at the moment of salvation. And so as we look and we think, what does this mean for us? The Holy Spirit's been given to all believers. Hey, let me just remind you tonight, you have just as much of the Holy Spirit as anyone else sitting in the room you're saved. The greatest so-called Christians that have ever lived on the face of the planet, we say that because there's no one good, but the greatest Christians that have ever lived on the face of this planet, they, never, they don't have more of the Holy Spirit in them than you have tonight. We all have just the same amount of the Holy Spirit. And the question really comes down to, as we talked on Wednesday night, if you weren't here Wednesday night, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. How much does the Holy Spirit have of you? That's what it comes down to. We see that it's given to all believers, letter B, and we're just about done here. God's plan is to spread the gospel to all nations through the church. I don't know if you realized it, but God wants to work through the church. That's the way God designed it. I get leery of people and play on, and people that have, and there, I'm, a lot of people in this world are trying to do their best for God but let me just help you with something God's plan is to work through the church today missionaries and missionaries need to understand it too they need to have a local church they work through and I, I'm a firm believer in a lot of these things and I'm, I'm probably even deeper on it than what most people would be I want, if there's a mission board that we support missionaries through, I want it to be through a local church. God works through the local church today. That is God's plan. I don't send money to organizations or people that are doing God's work that are not through a local church. You might not like that, but that's how I, that's how I roll. Because God's plan is to work through the church. This group that was assembled in that room, they were the church. They were. And I know we could argue all day, when did the church start? Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. From that statement to some time when they were in that upper room, the church began. If you want to say it started on Pentecost, go right ahead. I think it started a little bit before that. But what we know is the church started. And God's plan to get the gospel to the world is through the church. That's God's plan. That's why the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's God's plan, how God wants to work. And then we see, lastly, let us see, all believers are now empowered to be witnesses for Christ. Pastor, I can't witness. I hear so many people say that. I can't either. The Holy Spirit can help you do it. A Spirit-filled Christian will be a witness. 
I'm going to say it. I was debating here if I was going to say it or not, but I'm going to say it. I've had many Christians come up to me, tell me, Pastor, I'm filled, I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm, the Spirit's working in my life. And they haven't witnessed to one person in years. Don't tell me you're filled with the Spirit of God if you're not a witness. That's Bible. The Spirit was there so we had witnessed, right? The Spirit was there to help us in our day-to-day life, to conform us to the image of Christ, and to help us to grow and to become, and He's doing a work in each of us. But the Spirit is there to help us reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. After the Spirit comes, he's going to give you power 